Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. This is a really special moment for me because I am sitting here at Palma to the School Fort Myers with not only one of my team members that graduated in my school many, many, many years ago, 2007, at the Palmetto School, Michigan, and right now I'm sitting with her at Palmetto School, Fort Myers, because she just trained our learning leaders here on cutting certifications. And what's ironic, Sarah, is this is like one of the first times I've been in the school when you've actually done certification training. So I don't know if I just travel too much or what my problem is, but welcome to the podcast. Finally. Hey, podcast. <laughs> what up? I think this podcast is going to be called Be Magical because when I think of magic, I think of Sarah Kay. In fact, she just grabbed me about a half an hour ago and, and it was the ending of their training and she's like, hey, we're going to do a create magic thing. So I want you in here. And I went in there with her and she did this really fun activity where you write everybody's names and then you write down positive um, expressions about yeah. that person. So I, that really meant a lot to me. I actually haven't done that in a long time. So I'm going to save it in here because you always need that reminder of what people say about you because I think we're always the most, I know I am, the most critical of myself. So thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank my you for pleasure. that magic. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so cool because when I wrote my book, Be Amazing, I don't know if you know this or not, Sarah, but one of the reasons why I wrote it is because I wanted to write about people who have gone through adversity but came out on top. And you were the first person that came to mind, and I knew I wanted to interview you for my book, and we did. Mm -hmm. And her story is in the back of my book of stories of people who have gone through adversity. And I actually want to read it because it really, I think, sets the stage for Sarah and what she's doing now as well, too. But right now, you um, are a graduate of the Palmetto School of Michigan, and you've been in the salon since 2015 doing hair, and you've been a national educator for Paul Mitchell since 2007, and then the Paul Mitchell Advanced Education since 2013. And, and I love this because you took a whole nother path. We call it in the Paul Mitchell schools, the tree of opportunity. You used to teach that class, I remember. Yeah. Now I just said, I want to be on all the branches. Oh, all the branches. <laughs> you literally are. Yeah. And that's what I love about you. And it's so funny because you have so many a brilliant talent, Sarah, that I could really literally see you in every area of the business. And so I think Thanks. that's incredible. So we'll talk about that because I think a lot of people pigeonhole themselves when they graduate from cosmetology and say, I just have to be behind the chair. Right. And then totally. they quit. Totally. Yeah. We'll talk yeah. about that. But I want to read the story because I think it really sets the stage for uh, what you've gone through the adversity and still are the person that you are the magical person. I wish I had some popcorn. I know. While you're yeah. doing this. <laughs> you might need to yeah, chew on some popcorn. Just I'm drink just your water. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Sarah was a typical teenager who faced some not very typical teenage circumstances, including the death of her best friend. Two weeks after the devastating news, Sarah found herself still in bed, so other friends grabbed her out of her room to take her up north. While there, she received a shocking call from her brother, who said their dad might be dead and she needed to come home. Later, she learned the details. A valve in his heart had exploded. Ten minutes after the emergency crew arrived, they were driving him to the hospital without their flashing lights. 
which is what they do when someone has passed away. Suddenly, the lights came on. It was a miracle. The doctors called it a Lazarus moment. At the hospital, Sarah's dad was put on life support machines, and the family was told that this would be his life. Two weeks later, the doctors started talking about taking him off the machines. Of course, Sarah's mom was with him the whole time. Another miracle. He regained consciousness. He had short-term memory issues, but he could remember long-term. He eventually became a case study at a medical school. Watching her dad go through rehabilitation was humbling for Sarah. Visiting him every day and watching him learn to tell time and eat food again forced him, her to grow up fast. It seemed like every month he was back in the hospital for surgery or complications, but after eight months, he made it home. The family was grateful to have him around. He lived a basically normal life, but his struggles were with walking, not working, and going through the situation left him with depression. Several years later, life was good and down to a routine until Sarah's mom went in for a rotator cuff surgery and discovered she had diabetes and needed open heart surgery. Her mom's health started to deteriorate. Most people have the opportunity to care for their parents in their 50s. Sarah had the chance in her 20s. At this point, she was helping her parents with their bills. With her dad unable to work, they moved from a luxurious house to a trailer. During this time, Sarah started at the Paul Mitchell School. One day, she received one of the best calls ever from one of her mentors. She rushed home to tell her dad when she opened her bedroom door to tell him he had passed away. He had lived for seven years on borrowed time and was now gone. Not knowing whether his death was God's choice or her dad's choice gave Sarah a lot of uncertainty and vulnerability. In what became a spiritual journey for her, Sarah gained strength from helping her mom, who was legally blind from diabetes. She moved her mom to an apartment for safety and visited every Sunday. For the next year, as Sarah healed from her grief, she knew it was okay to not be okay. Then one Sunday, her mom didn't answer the phone. When Sarah got, her mom's, got to her mom's apartment, she found one of the scariest things she had ever seen. Her mom was on the bathroom floor, shaking and having difficulty breathing. Sarah called 911 and kept telling her mom she loved her. She said it over and over again. Sarah thought, God wouldn't do this to me. God wouldn't let her mom die. She died. Now Sarah had the death of two parents to grieve. She thought she was too young to be going through this, but then she decided to honor them with a legacy. She let their life be proof of their love. Her dad loved to laugh, and her mom loved to make people feel special. Sarah carries on this joy. Sarah found strength by letting herself be weak. She surrounded herself with the right people and mentors. She knew that her thoughts would cultivate her life. Sarah sees every day as an opportunity to make her parents proud. This brought her to exactly who she is today, a young woman who feels lucky to have grown up with two incredible parents. She feels there's a reason she went through this, and it will be part of how she helps people. We live our life's purpose when we help more than just ourselves. Since then, three of Sarah's closest friends have lost a parent, and Sarah was able to be a glimmer of light and strength to them. Looking back, Sarah realized she'd made a choice. She could have fallen into a victim's role, but she decided instead to put her best foot forward. Her parents still live through her. She also knows that other people have been through so much more. As one of her mentors, I'm amazed at her fast growth. Sarah overcame huge adversity, stayed positive, and chose to put her best foot forward. What an honor to her parents. When I read that, Sarah, does that make you feel like, was that me that actually went through that? Like, what goes through your mind right now hearing well, that just, again? I like, cried and choked those up, like, three times. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> um, it's just been a minute, I think, that since I've even, you know, I talk about it all the time, and I make mm -hmm. it a part of something, 
but I've never wanted to ever be in that victim role. Mm-hmm. So to hear it from like going from that interview, I remember reading it and I don't think I ever read it again because I was like, whoop, that's my reality. Let me read other pages of this book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting because some of those things that I said in there, I still believe like it's okay to not be okay. And, uh, at that time when this was written, like there were only three of my friends, but I would say that there have been so many times where friends and even strangers, for some reason, um, I've been able to be a part of that journey for them, whether it's in grief in general or just in their own individual grief. Grief is one of the most traumatic things our brain goes through. Mm. And it, I mean, it can be more traumatic for us than abuse in certain ways. And I think as humans, we're like, we're kind of told or molded to believe that like, just push through it, you'll get through it. And I almost wish I could rewrite this because that is true. Like push through it because you'll get through it, but also be completely okay with vulnerable, right? When, when you are not okay, go cry, Mm. (laughs) let your body breathe because when you just submit it, it explodes. And Mm. I went through that probably the last, like I thought I was healing, you know, and then I still was some missing things. You know, I'm human. We, we, we try to do our best, but sometimes that's not really what's happening. So I think probably about two years ago, I went through like an explosion of everything that I had submissed and it was probably the most vulnerable I've ever been to my family. And, uh, it was really amazing because my brothers were able to be more vulnerable too. Uh, I remember like my brothers always were like, yeah, we would talk about memories and stuff. And I'm like, you guys don't cry. (laughs) I cry Mm. about it or, you know, and, um, I got to just this point where I was just feeling kind of low. I was feeling, you know, like every day I would think about, I was getting in victim mode, right? I was like, why is life happening to me? Like, why can't I make boyfriends work and why can't you know all my friends are having babies why is that not happening for me and why is my career plateauing almost feeling you know like all these like Mm. victims that were external when really it was because I had all those feelings I had just kind of like pushed down Mm. and I forced myself to bring them out um and it wasn't the prettiest I have ever been however it was authentic right I was honest to myself about where I was at and how I was feeling and um I feel better today than when I did that interview I feel more whole in it Mm -hmm. I feel um I know I know those words with certainty now more certainty than when I first said them to you which is really interesting when you're reading that because I was getting emotional yeah because this was 2016 yeah that's three years ago and Mm -hmm. I don't know if maybe going through this process reopened that you know, reasons and seasons for everything. Um, but I can say with certainty now in the seat I'm in right now, I feel more whole and more vulnerable to it than ever before. And maybe it's because yeah. I love Brene Brown and she's taught me what vulnerability is on a whole new scale. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, 
Yeah. That's, I that's love a that. Good chapter. Yeah, she teaches. <laughs> we're in that uh, Dare to Lead right now. It's a mastermind and teaches that um, vulnerability is really um, authenticity with boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, too, and setting those. Let's talk about this. I want to dig a little deeper because. You said something really powerful, and I believe our greatest adversity leads to our greatest assignment, and I believe mm-hmm. that's what you've gone through. And, and you know, in here, you said um, something that hit home with me, um, opportunity to care for their parents in their 50s. That's exactly what I have going on right. right now with both my parents. And here you were in your 20s. Talk me through that process. You know, what was going through your mind at that time? Because here you were enrolled in the Paul Mitchell School. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't even aware of the adversity that was happening in your life you know you were hiding it or whatever didn't talk about it right and whenever you did talk about it to me you kept it light Mm -hmm. you know so how how were you able to do that was just that like was that an armor that you put on I think maybe but I think also I was raised to know that like it could always be worse so in my mind yeah like I never wanted someone to be like oh I'm sorry like it looks mm. like uncomfortable. Like I remember, I don't yeah. remember. I told my one friend at one, I was like, I want to wear a t-shirt to my mom's funeral. that says like, please don't tell me you're sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want people, you know. Yeah. Why I, do people I, say that? I'm so sorry because that I almost I don't, like don't want to say that either. I know. I, I yeah. don't think, I think what we're should just you wired say? to want to show compassion. Yeah. And compassion is one of the most beautiful things that we can show and -hmm. sometimes compassion can be silence and just presence but for us like we want to say words we want to acknowledge okay Uh, so I think that's where I'm sorry comes from but you know I what should people say you know like you look at Facebook posts and someone says forward focus it right like I'm here for you I believe in in your healing you know like perfect bring people into the front side of okay what could be Forward you know? focus. It. Let's talk yeah, about forward we were just focus. Talking about that. Yeah, because you said forward. That's actually a culture in our Palmetto schools, yeah. and I think a lot of people misconstrue it. Um, what What have you seen the misconstruence, and then um, talk about what it really is? Uh, most of the time, what I see is that we take like a thought that we don't want to have, and we just take away the don't, but we still replace the negative connection. So, like, don't look at my shoes. My purpose is for you to not look. So what I could say is like, I want you to focus on the door, which is nothing that has to do with shoes, right? Right. I want us to focus on where we want to go rather than what we don't want to do, which I think even like being a female growing up and or a human growing up where I was like, oh, I I don't want to eat any chocolate today or I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Thinking that putting that focus on what you don't want to do is going to get you to the opposite behavior. Mm-hmm. Our brain is wired the way our brain's wired. So when we want to do something, we want to focus on the thing that we want to do, right? So like, I want to drink two bottles of water today, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than I don't want to, I, I'm going to avoid soda. My brain is thinking about soda all day. Right. And I love a fountain soda pop. You can't okay? avoid a don't. Right. Yes. So okay. That's, I think that's the purpose or the part in forward focus that's the most misconceived, Right. Because it's not about, like, do not enter. It's like, hey, find a spot to be anywhere besides here. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. So focus on what it is mm-hmm. you want to do because that's how your brain is. Our brain 
doesn't know cultural. It doesn't know scientific. It just knows what it knows and it computes how it computes. So you have to tell it what you want it to compute, not what it doesn't want to compute. It doesn't have emotions like that. Yeah. And really like the part of our brain that has emotions and feelings and the part of our brain that speaks very rarely connect and talk to each other in activity. So we have to tell it and be really specific so in the moments that they do connect you can be intentional well the power of thoughts the power of words mm-hmm. really powerful so, i think where i've seen people that sarah that have misconstrued it is thinking well i can't say any challenges that are happening in my company so maybe right. no. maybe <laughs> staff will say oh i'm not going to say anything that's happening wrong here because i need to be forward focused yeah. you know and it's almost oh, used yeah. it against they make you. like this little bubble of it like forward focus it's like actually yeah. no I think not if you what were that to is. interview any of your directors or people that I've worked with, like, I'm not afraid to be that devil's advocate, but coming with a solution along with it. Yes. Like, hey, this is That's what's forward up. focus. This is what's happening. Here's what we can do to be better. Whether it's in a professional setting, mm-hmm. whether it's in your personal setting, whether it's in the independent thoughts you have with yourself when you're looking in the mirror. Yeah. Right? It's not about, like... Blame game. This is everybody's. This is all the things going wrong. It's about all right. Let's recognize this process. What can we do to make it better? Yeah. Um, but there are times where you need to be okay with like I just need to recognize this, acknowledge it, and accept it so that mm-hmm. I can adjust. And those yeah. three A's are how you go through grief. You acknowledge, mm-hmm. okay. you accept, and you adjust. Uh, so. Oh, let's talk about this. So okay. acknowledge, accept, adjust. I, I have a friend that's um, her, his dad passed away a year ago mm-hmm. and uh, he's really, really, really struggling. And so talk to him, talk to someone right now that's lost a loved one of how they can go through the grief because you, you said something really powerful. Grief is one of the most traumatic things our brains go through. Talk about that process and, and what he should do. Um. Well, that is like the steps of grief, just the, the healing process, I suppose. But we don't really ever heal from grief. Um, it's always there. We just have to heal ourselves in the moment. So the acknowledgement part, like that was, I think, one of the hardest things. So acknowledging doesn't mean I need everybody to know around me that this happened, right? Because thinking about things that maybe aren't as talked about, that happened to people that are a grief process. Um, but it's acknowledging it where you could look in the mirror and say that, that you could acknowledge that this has happened in my life and it's okay because I have the opportunity every day to wake up again, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that acknowledgement that it happened for you and not to you. And that's for mm-hmm. some people takes a long time because we try and always answer the why and if we all could answer wise, we'd all be little Jesuses walking around this planet, right. which we're not. Right. Right. So just acknowledging that it truly happened is part of therapy. It's part of, um, that's probably the hardest part. Right? Yeah. It's not just saying the words or the Facebook post. It's the actually acknowledging this is my new reality. Mm. I need to accept that. Right. Okay. So, and then adjusting would be what do I do now to make my new reality my best reality? Because if it's in a process where most of the time grief is something you can't go back and change. So if it was a traumatic, you know, maybe something violent happened to you and now you're grieving, you can't go back and undo that moment in time that hurt you. But how can you accept, acknowledge, and adjust 
to what your new reality is without it being it happened and it's going to take away from your life let it be something that propels your life forward oh I love that and I I love that you said it didn't happen for you it happened for you not to and not to you so talk about that a little bit more because I think that is what happens is like this happened to me how how do you Mm -hmm. switch that mindset the power of words that is a loaded question yes (laughs) (laughs) um it's something that i still have those moments where i get and that's where to Mm -hmm. me is in the victim mode um where i can get into that oh man like if only this had happened if only that or i can't believe that i can't believe that and uh, I had this really profound moment with one of my best friend's best friends that has gone back and forth on the cancer battle a lot of times and had then just lost her dad. She's talking, you know, we're just in like, we're sitting in a backyard just talking and um, someone had asked me about my dad and mom and I said, mm. you know, I feel just really blessed that I had that type of love for 25 years because it's a love that some people may never experience. And for me, that was what helped me acknowledge it and be okay. Yeah. Because there are so many people that I know that never felt that type of genuine love from a parent or uh, someone of important guidance in their life. And I remember she looked at me. She just started crying. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I thought I had, like, totally a fun game. And I'm like, gosh, I'm so bad at this stuff. Yeah. But she's like, that's the most beautiful thing. She's like... I wish I would have been thinking about that for the last two years. Wow. You know, how lucky I was to have them rather than how sad I am without them. Wow. In loss, I think that that can help a bit. Um, Stay in gratitude. Yeah. Constant gratitude. Yeah. And in the moments where it's like, oh, like the rain cloud, why is it so cloudy? Like, Mm. you know. That's when, like, to, like, sit down center and really think, what am I truly grateful for? And, yes, it can be as simple as the sun's out and I can breathe. and But it can be more, it can be as simple as that. But also, what were you grateful for for that person in your life? What are you grateful for for your current reality? Um, I'm grateful that in moments where it's happened to future professionals or it's happened to staff members, I've been able to be there. Yeah. You know, in a way that there's like an unspoken understanding, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm here for you however you need me, right? Ooh. It's helped me mend relationships that were maybe a little bit frictionally, frictiony, wow. right? Like relationships that I was like, I know I love this person. I just cannot list the reason currently, but I will find it, right? Yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> but I've had mm-hmm. moments where it was like we could come to a commonality that had nothing to do with work. It's more on a personal level, you know? Right. And it doesn't always have to be from death. It can just be from mm-hmm. working through something um, significant that includes, you know, caretaking or, or, you know, something of that nature. Yeah. So. That's really, really powerful, I think. Um, and I love that you said um, just push through because you'll get through. Some, mm-hmm. You said people would say that to you, but that yeah. didn't work, and it's okay to not be okay. Talk right. about that because I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I hear over and mm-hmm. over. Like, I'm just not okay. Like, I'm having a bad day. Like, how do you allow yourself to go through those bad days after loss of a loved one? You have to know what your life savers are. Now, I, that could be your candy. Okay. I do love the lifesavers. Uh-huh. <laughs> but what are your lifesavers? Like, yeah. Um, 
does it mean you have to like go listen to some positive music for a minute? Do you have someone you can mm. call and you know just make you laugh and giggle? You yeah. know, do you have like a, your favorite picture you can look at that brings you joy? Uh, your favorite book, um, but also like if you're in a setting where like you're like I'm about to lose it. I had that when I was actually in Fort Myers. It was two months after my mom had passed. And, like, reality had kicked in because it was right before Christmas. My mom's favorite holiday. And, like, we grew up with, like, seven Christmas trees, right? So, like, I was, like, anti... I was, like, totally Ebenezer Scrooge that year. Which, like, yeah. I love Christmas. And uh, I was, like, I, I remember being in this school building. And I went into the mm. office for a second. And I was, like, I'm not okay. I need to go home for the day. And I went home, mm-hmm. and I just, like, cried it out hard. <laughs> I yeah. remember I called my brother, and he was like, should I fly down there? It's like, no, I'm okay. Yeah. But, like, I think so often we, like, feel that, and we're like, no, 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 no. We can't deal with it. I have to be strong for everybody else. Right. Like, we all say that. Mm-hmm. You know what you could be, you know what would be the strongest thing you could do is show that you're, you're hurt, too. Mm-hmm. That it's okay that they feel that way. Because... Mm-hmm. Together, you could lift each other up. Yeah. You know? And um, I think that's been, for even my brothers and I, like, the thing that has kind of rekindled our our ability to work through the grief of that, you know? Is that mm-hmm. finally talking about it. Like, finally, like, having the tears and, like, knowing that, like, your strength is through communication with each other. Your strength can be mm. through, like, just being around each other. Your strength mm-hmm. isn't from being some stone-cold wall. That's not strength. That's freak of nature stuff. Yeah. And you're going to end up breaking anyway. You'll so, eventually break. Yeah. No matter so, like, what. knowing that, like, in the moment, if you feel it so strong, it's because you're meant to feel it right then. And, like... Wow. It's like, you know, when, like, good. you sweat, it, like, feels good for your body. Yeah. Your emotions sweat through tears. <laughs> right? It's beautiful. So, like, you need to let that out. You have to let that release. Ooh, you know, that's if you don't do really that, dead. you'll yeah. lose your mind. Yeah. And I've lost my mind a few times over the last eight years. So yeah. <laughs> I got it. I get it. That's so powerful. I feel like it's, it's interesting because this is called the B series, untold stories of leadership transformation. And, I, and I'm sitting here thinking, when did, uh, when did Sarah, and I'm, I know you've had many moments, but when did she have like her moments of transformation to become this magical person that you are? I mean, you've always been magical since the day I met you. That's why I hired you to be a part of us. And I wanted to be near you because I wanted you to rub off on me, you know, cause my personality was a little bit more, um, boring and you were more fun <laughs> and I wanted to be more fun. Now. I know I'm so fun You're now. Really yeah. fun now. <laughs> Because of you. I'm really proud and of Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's too funny because, you know, you become who you hang out with. Who are you really, really, you know, hanging mm-hmm. out with? But um, that untold story, I believe, is what you're saying is just let yourself cry. Let yourself mm-hmm. have feelings and emotions and watch the transformation yeah. begin. Did you ever sense any other ways of untold stories of transformation that you've experienced through your life to become the person that you are today? I mean, yeah, I think we have it from the time we're born, you yeah. know. Um, I know we were talking about this the other day, but people are always teaching you, right? So, like, just as much as you learn from, like, moments of grief or moments of, of like, people, like, you think about those times when you're like, it changed my life. A lot of times those moments are sad moments, and mm-hmm. it's our choice if that's a life change of a positive or a negative, but 
those moments happen every single day. So who you hang out with, what you say to yourself is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Um, That has become something I've been really honing in on, on what happens in my brain. Because what happens in my brain is what is going to happen from my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So you have to fill in your own cup and you have to really like fall back in love with yourself Hmm. even when it's the hardest thing to love. Yeah. And how do you do that? Like, how do you fall back in love with you? Give me some tangible things for someone. Tangible, like things Things that you do. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, So I have a gratitude journal. I've done Mm -hmm. that, and then I kind of got over that. To be honest, I liked it, but it became something I was doing so often that it became more of a mechanical thing and not something I felt really genuine in yeah so I've started now making a daily promise to myself that I keep so Mm. we're really good as humans to like sacrifice and make promises to others and keep them but my daily promise to myself is sometimes the most simple thing like (laughs) it could be I'm gonna wash my hands every day after I go to the bathroom right (laughs) that simple of a promise or it can be like I'm gonna make intentional choices when I go to dinner tonight whatever it is it can be I'm going to get up at this time and just have more time to myself. So I really, for me, that's what has been helping me through just falling back in love with who I am and re just rediscovering that because you have to spend time with yourself to know how to love yourself. Mm. Most of us don't do that. Most of us are so busy spending time with other people. The only time with ourselves is like maybe in the shower if we're lucky whatever your life looks like in the car Um, yeah and in the car like (laughs) we're in some other zone but like turn the music off talk to yourself I know that sounds crazy but I used to talk to my parents all the time in the car because at that time I was driving like sometimes three four hours to do a class so now I'm like I still talk to them I mean I've talked to everybody I talk to strangers I talk to you know the air but um talk to yourself like give yourself that uplifting words that you would give to someone else right so like that's powerful what you say to others why don't we say that to ourselves Mm -hmm. what we tell others like what makes you amazing tell it to yourself and my friend just wow she just uh challenged me in a positive way so i was telling her about like doing my daily um promises and she goes do you write them down i said starting tomorrow i do because i didn't even think of that she goes, you know what else you should write down? I'm like, yes, no, tell me. And she's like, something you love about yourself every day. And I'm like, mm. that's cute. So should I text you? Like, where are you going to want me know? <laughs> um, so that's going to take wow. that to a new level for me. And I'm excited to just see maybe how that transforms me. Because yeah. we're never done transforming. We're yeah. never done going through stuff. Stuff's mm-hmm. always going to be there. Yeah. Whatever that stuff is. I love that you keep recreating when things get stagnant and think mm-hmm. of really fresh ideas. And it's interesting because um, Girl, Wash Your Face by R- Rachel Hollis mm-hmm. we're doing as a mastermind with our salon teams. And it's really been transformative. We're just spending, we're literally, it's so good, spending a chapter a month. That's oh, how yeah. deep we're digging. And she talks about taking, keeping daily promises mm-hmm. to yourself, but keeping them. There's actually uh, something that happens in your brain when you don't keep your promises. And there's right. something that happens in your brain when you do. Yeah. And I think the power that I'm seeing here, that the untold story here, hearing from you, Sarah, is getting out of the victim mindset. Was there a time 
that you were in that victim mindset, which you kind of alluded that you were. And what was, what is that thought process? How do you get out of it? Like Mm -hmm. what kind of things do you speak to yourself to get out of it? Do you just keep saying, don't be a victim here? No, you just say, this is my reality and how Mm. do I make it better? This is my reality. Acknowledge and adjust. How do I make it better? We're in the victim mode when we think this is happening to us. That yeah. we, we can't change what's happening. It's like, you know what? Yes, I can. And if it's the environment I'm around, change the environment. If it's yeah. the people you're hanging out with, change the people. If it's the relationship, mm-hmm. change the relationship. Right? Yeah. Um, there's You're never stuck. Mm. Truly. like, And I mean that in a like proud to be American way, but also in like, as human beings, you know, like there's always a way out, you know, that we're lucky enough that like we have feet, we can walk, (laughs) you know, we can get to that next thing. We can get to that next adventure (laughs) of life. Yeah. Um, it might be really difficult steps to get there, but you're never stuck. And I've felt stuck. I felt like I've been suffocating, and that's even in like work, like times where I'm like, I've over promised and now I'm certain I'm going to do nothing but under deliver. But you know what? In those moments, I'll, I'm not afraid anymore to say like, I overcommitted mm-hmm. and I apologize for that. Can we move on and move into like that next chapter and like rebuild? Ooh, that's powerful. That That's an untold story of transformation. <laughs> what caused you to make that switch? How does someone make that switch? Because I, I watch a lot of our yeah. leaders overcommitting, and I'm like, wait, wait, I think that's too soon to get that done. Let's let's stretch the timeline out a bit. So as a leader, I'm kind of catching that now. Yeah. I don't think I caught that years ago. One of the most difficult things for any employee to say to any form of a boss, so whether it's their first chain of command in an org chart or like, the CEO of the CEOs, right? The hardest thing for them to say is no. Ah, yes. Like, they Mm -hmm. don't want to say no to, Mm -hmm. you know, coming in 30 minutes early. They don't want to say no to any of those things. Mm -hmm. So creating an environment of safety. Mm -hmm. And, like, so once I read that, I was like, I need to give people the option to say no because they don't feel like they could, right? And then I also was transforming because I was saying yes to everything and burnout happened really fast I'm incredibly grateful for all of the opportunities but it's like I couldn't perform even at 50% because I was afraid to say no right so I was like I have to do this yes 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 so when I learned that like saying no is okay like I've said no to you Tina yes (laughs) not out of any form of disrespect but I think in our brains we're like Mm -hmm. we don't have that option and like that's I love seeing even in like in your schools and being a part of that like that has been like a transformational leadership mm-hmm. I would say in all of your schools right mm-hmm. is that there is people realizing that it's okay to say no like mm-hmm. just say yes doesn't mean like say yes to things that empty out your soul right right if, say yes to the if best your promise to yourself and your value mm-hmm. is being at your son's basketball games and making sure you're at every Mm -hmm. single one and you can't stay for night schools, whatever, then say no, right? right? We'd rather you say no and be happy when you're saying yes Yes. than to say no and be a bitter Betty that we have to deal with. No bitter Bettys. Right. 
Yes. I don't know if that answered your question no, it's at so all. True. I it's something else. It's so good because I'm always watching my team thinking, are they saying yes to please me? Or are they mm. saying yes because they really want this? Yes. And so it's 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 a fine line in your leadership of really, really reading between the lines. Yeah. And, and it really have to build that safety to make right. that happen. And that takes just time. That takes mm-hmm. being with people. That takes... Uh, going through some hard conversations and moments where you've totally like I said yes to that and I totally bombed it yes. but uh, we're going to do better next time okay great I love that <laughs> you know I love that and Sarah that actually kind of leads me into I want to spend a little time with you on this because um, we talk about the five levels of leadership mm-hmm. and the first one is position great you got the position the mm-hmm. second level is permission the third level is productivity the fourth level is people development and fifth level is pinnacle Okay. Mm -hmm. And I believe we're at different levels with different people in our life. Some we may be already at pinnacle and other people, we may still be in the position stage, some Mm -hmm. in the permission stage and some in the productivity and some in the people development. So just kind of looking and doing inventory and something that I really learned from you, Sarah, because I remember I'm a disc trainer, which is D-I-S-C and finding out, you know, what my personality is. And I realized I was this dominant, this D-I. Well, Mm -hmm. years later, after investing in myself and in leadership, I realized I was skipping the element of permission. level two and I was going Mm -hmm. straight from position to productivity you know trying to keep the business afloat right financially but realizing hey girl it's people (laughs) before profit it's Mm -hmm. not profit before people I had it misconstrued for years and so again what you tell yourself what you say and then you have to start investing and Sarah, you've been really integral in that I've been watching you. You're not just a staff member of mine, but you're actually a mentor of mine. I've watched you, and I've watched how you build relationships. You and Lisa uh, Martin, who's the director of Sterling Heights, have been huge, huge um, you know, mentors of mine. And so I'm actually going to be doing an e-training for the future professional advisors in the Paul Mitchell schools. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I'm sitting here going through this, and I'm putting together this relationship inventory. And there's 10 questions, and I'm going to read all the questions, and then I want you to just kind of talk a little bit about each one. But um, I feel as if you pretty much graduate in all of these 10 <laughs> areas. When I looked at them... Like with a cap and gown. It was cool. Yeah, cap and gown. <laughs> we can do cap and gown. And so cool. this is how you become magical. Again, you know, it takes building appropriate solid relationships mm-hmm. right building appropriate solid relationships before you can ever ask a hand because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and I truly mm-hmm. believe that every single person that you work with that has worked underneath you have felt that you cared for them and that's what I, I love <laughs> yeah that's what I love about you and I still work on that process you know, still working with that with my leaders in my schools and now my salons and so what was that transformational moment for you to realize to know that it was people before profit um I think it kind of goes into what you me and Brian were talking about the other day about people are always teaching you So I'm really grateful for all of the wonderful people I've been around that I'm like, man, they're so talented or they are so charismatic or they're so this or they're so organized or they're so kind. But I've learned just as much from the people I've been around that I want to not be like. Right. So I don't stray away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I stray away, but like 
I can't remember who taught me about that. Like, there's just as much value in being around someone who makes you want to be better as there is being around someone who shows you who you don't want to be. Yes. Yes. So for me, Mm -hmm. I went through, you know, like maybe some mentors that by title are considered mentors, Mm -hmm. but don't live in the mentor world for me, you know, Mm -hmm. but they've taught me the things I don't want to do. Yeah. (laughs) They taught me the ways I don't want to talk to people, the way I don't want to make people feel. And I think part of that too is that I've been, you know, I've gone through situations where I'm like, I don't ever want someone to feel like this, but I'm glad it's me. Right. I'm glad I can go through this because mentally I'm strong enough to get to that and work through this. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that was something that I just always wanted to have that compassion for someone. Mm-hmm. And not to sound like cheesy, but I think that my parents were two of the most compassionate human beings that mm-hmm. ever graced this planet. Mm-hmm. Right? Like my dad's the funeral life of my dad's funeral was like out the door. Wow. Right? Uh People just, they gravitated to them always. And like that to me was like Mm -hmm. the legacy I wanted to build, right? Was when I think about it, you know, it's, it's not in the name of my child or in this. It's like, it's in who I am as a person. Like I'm everything I am because they loved me. Celine Dion, (laughs) right? But truly like they always put people first. Mm. Like I remember my, um, my dad was the vice president one of the vice presidents for Fifth Third Bank. And prior to that, he had been, his whole department that he had, it was like when the banks were all consolidating, his whole department got wiped away because the banks were consolidating from like MBD to Bank One to all these other banks. And he had made a promise to his like 35 employees and said, when I get a job, I'm going to offer all of you a job. And I was, I I remember when this happened, but I was too young to know that detail. And... We almost moved to Kentucky. We almost moved to all those places. My dad lived actually I'm in Grand Rapids and made that commute for like over a year in our lives. And then finally got his position in Fifth Third Bank and offered all of those people a job back. Like he kept his word. And like wow. almost every single person uh, that came through or that I you know saw when my dad was sick or whatever, they would remind me of that story. Because he like, it was important to him. Like... He wow. had a better job that he could have taken in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of that interview, I remember we went down to Lexington. We were going to move there. That was the plan. And one of the last questions I asked him at his interview was, would you be okay with firing a person a week? And he goes, well, do they deserve it? And he, you know, the HR guy or whoever was like, well, that doesn't really matter. In this position, mm-hmm. you would have to be you know, letting people go. And he goes, that's not how I operate. You have to be a robot. Yeah. So he's like, I don't wow. operate like that. And so he was polar opposite. Wow. He was wanting to get his people back. And mm-hmm. I've always flourished around other people, but also like, cause I also enjoy time alone. But, um, I, I think it's just how we were raised was to know yeah. that like it's people it's who about make a difference, you know? And wow. So, yeah. Uh, that to me has, um, maybe that's just how I was raised. <laughs> yeah. And no, maybe it's the realization of that's how I was raised. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think I obviously knew that at 15 when I was yeah. being a spoiled brat, but you know, <laughs> no, not you like 25 to <laughs> yesterday, you know, when I'm still going through it. But mm-hmm. I think that that's just been a core value that was given to me in an unspoken fashion because it was just modeled to me. 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. And, and it definitely hits home. So let's go through this inventory because we've already actually talked about a couple of these things. It's um, do you love and accept yourself? That's number one. So relationship inventory, because you even said it last night at the graduation, you can't give what you don't have. Well, I got that from yeah. you. <laughs> but it's one of the truest things yes. in the world. Like if I want to give someone compassion or or I want to give someone inspiration or I just want to give someone energy and I don't have any, that ain't going to work that way. Like presence isn't physical. Presence is energy and like being with someone, right? So mm-hmm. like you can physically be in the room, but if you're not actually in the room mentally, right, that emotional connection is gone, right? So 100%. I think that's important. So being able to be okay with like saying like, Hey, no, this is where my energy's at. You know, like I need to step out for a minute. I need to go listen to some music, whatever. But so you um, can fall back in love with yourself at that moment. Cause yeah. you can't love people if you don't first love yourself and understand your value. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the highest form of leadership is leading ourselves. And so, um, I don't know about you, but I got to con- continually completely fall back in love with myself every day. Right. I have to do like specific things. I'm working hard on that. That's probably one of the <sighs> yeah. biggest focuses. Cause I, again, mm-hmm. I'm trying to make those promises to myself, uh, and, write down something I love about myself. I'm working on that. Uh, but I'm excited because yeah. I've never put that first. Like I have, but mm-hmm. I haven't. Yeah. And I really feel like it's going to elevate me to something even more magical maybe. Yeah. Put that cap and gown <laughs> back on. And I believe Bigger. with all of this stuff that you never truly graduate, you have to no. constantly re-looking at it. Right. You know, some seasons you may be good at it, then the next season an adversity might yeah. hit. It's like, whoa, I need to get back and be intentional. It's all about right. intentionality and right. realizing, right, being self-aware. Number two is... Do you put energy into being likable? And <laughs> that was the first person I thought was you. And because when you walk into a room, I feel as if there's just a party that just came in. Because when <laughs> I see you, I am so happy. Like, is that intentional for you? Did that come natural as a kid? Like, did you walk in the room and the party came oh, in? No. Or was there a as moment? A kid, I was shy. Really? Um, I yeah. I was wow. like I didn't talk to humans. I liked reading. I wore like Tweety Bird sweatpants <laughs> to like high school. That's fine. Yeah. Um No, I I think just like if I put energy into like just enjoying where I'm at, I'm gonna enjoy where I'm at. Like I work with some people or I'm around some people mm-hmm. and I'm like, are you happy in there? I don't know, right? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and, and it's not that you have to have energy of being a party person or right. being an introvert. No. But I agree, and, and so because you have to put energy into smiling. I mean, mm-hmm. smiling isn't doesn't take that much. No. But it speaks volumes when you're not smiling and you're yeah. wondering what's going on. So talk to that person as far as advice that you can give them. So put. Do you put energy into being likable? Be who you want to hang out with. Yeah. Be who right? you want to hang out with. You can smile with your eyes if it's mm-hmm. hard for you to do it with your teeth, right? Yeah. So, like, be that person. Like, I want to be the person. I've been that really obnoxious person over the top. Like, I was that person probably till like, yesterday. I don't know. But, uh, and I think I was overcompensating mm-hmm. in those times where mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm just going to be so much fun. Nothing bad's happening. But inside, I'm like, my world's falling apart. Mm. 
But now I just mm-hmm. really, I want to be who I want to hang out with. I want to hang out with people similar to me. And I can tell you in the last year, those people I hang out with, those people who have been at that same table with me in my professional career are not the same people in my at the table with me. Right. Because I want to be around the people who are going to elevate me up. So that's what that means to me. Like, put your yeah. energy into being likable. It's not like, I'm going to do everything so that you think I'm cool. It's like, no, I want to be around people who we have the same synergy. Even, right. like, again, sometimes with mentors that people are like, oh, they're the greatest people. I'm like... They are. They're amazing. They're just not for me. And that's okay. Right. I don't need to be liked by everybody. Right. But I don't want to be disliked. Right? So be respectful in the moments where maybe we don't, our energies aren't the same. Be respectful of that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but be the person you would want to have lunch with. Be the person you would want to like, hey, let's have dinner. Or like, I want to call you or text you or I would follow you on Instagram. Like, be that person. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, as you're building relationships with people, because you have to first ask for their heart before you ask Mm -hmm. for a hand. So as you build relationships, you have to put energy into being likable to them, Mm -hmm. too, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so that goes back and forth as far as your relationship inventory. So number one is, do you love and accept yourself? Number two is, do you put energy into being likable? Number three do you remember people's names? Now, I 100% fail at this, and thank God for Facebook, right. because it's like a yearbook for old people, and uh, that way I can have my team, hey, send yeah. me the picture of who I'm supposed to be speaking to, right, 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 as well, too. How about you? Do you remember people's names? If I don't remember their name, I remember things about them, and that's one of my favorite things. Like, I didn't even really know that about myself, but... I'll have like clients or guests that come into the salon that maybe I haven't seen in a while. And as soon as I see Mm -hmm. their eyes, I remember details about their life. Yeah, and you do for our team too. And that's what I love about you because you'll, we can call you and say, hey, tell me what Carlton likes or tell me (laughs) what so-and-so likes on our team. And and you know exactly word for word what they like. How do you do that? I just put value on the relationship Mm -hmm. because it's important to me. Like Mm -hmm. I want someone to know that about me so I want to know that about them. Yeah. You know? I love that. And for everyone that's different, like, I have some friends that can remember every single name, and they're like, well, here's the trick to it. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, that trick works for you, but I'd rather know your story, you know? And yeah. I know the most beautiful spoken word is your name. Um, yeah. So for me, it's not only just knowing that actual name, but knowing something about that person. Wow. Like, in the moments yeah. where I've, like, not... I had someone sit in my chair, and I'm like... Who, who's this? I'm like, man, I wasn't present with you. I definitely was mm. just putting your retouch on or giving you that blow dry. Yeah. And not yes, or fail. You say fail on <laughs> you know? that one. Yeah. Um, that's not always been the case. That's mm-hmm. something I think maybe after going through the loss of my parents and realizing how precious it is mm. to have energy mm-hmm. exchange with other people. That became important to me. Yeah, no, that's really powerful. I love how you added to that. So number four is do you focus on people's interests? Well, we kind of mm-hmm. talked about that a little bit, but just finding out what people value Yeah. too. And I and know it, you're good at that. And it, you know the times I like it the most is when it's completely different than what interests me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Like, I probably would have like, never really? enjoyed golf ever, but I think because I forced mm-hmm. myself to like, 
do these things. I'm like, okay, maybe one day I'll be Tiger Woods, right? Um, but I love that. <laughs> I mean, obviously you're attracted to and you gravitate towards people that have a commonality. Mm-hmm. But imagine how cool it could be to learn something different. Yeah. Right? Well, I was shocked to find out that you love football. And we were watching football together. So and you funny. actually re-inspired me because I only watched it in the years my son played football. Right. But now I'm re-inspired and I wanted to watch the Lions on Sunday. And I was so Did excited. Because it well, was a good game. Well, yeah. We, we got to watch it in red zone because we, yeah. we didn't oh, get cable. Good. But it was pretty cool. And uh, and I told Brian, I said, Sarah just re-inspired me. But, you know, really finding what people value. And what's mm-hmm. one of the best ways to find out what people value? Um, ask them questions. Mm-hmm. So I made this promise to myself. Like, it was during, like, one of the times I was feeling a little burnt out. And I was like, man, if all I do is talk about hair, I'm going to start growing hair in, mm. like, places... I shouldn't be where I don't even know I just felt like my whole world was over over saturated with hair and not people's souls so I started asking questions like we'd be at events and be like all right what's the best thing that's happened in the last two months tell me the best thing that's happened to you in the last week that has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with hair right yeah and I remember someone had asked me a question they're like tell me who Sarah Kay is and I'm like well I am Madeline let me do this and he stopped me I think he even like Slap me on the kneecap or something. And he was like, no, no, the soul. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, I don't know. I haven't thought about that person in a minute. Um, so getting to know things, like if you only know that person for like professionally, do. like do you, yeah. if you don't know their children's names, mm, that's a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't even know that they have children, that's interesting to me. That's it's an even bigger challenge. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so like, just, it's not to say that I need to know every detail. Yeah. I don't need to know how many pounds it weighed. I don't need to know, like, the weird habits it has. Like, I don't even mm. know all those, you know, maybe yeah. too much info at, at certain times. Right. You know? Appropriate, solid yeah, relationship. I yeah. should know that about you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if your parents are sick or you're going through something, I want to know that about you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're getting, if you're in a, you know, wonderful relationship, I want to know that. Yeah. You know, I want to know your soul, not just your resume. Ooh, I want to know your soul and not just your resume. Yeah. That is a perfect statement right there, Sarah. And I remember when you were doing a class for us and you asked us what song describes your life. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was really awesome. I never forgot that. <laughs> that was probably three years ago. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. And then, you know, you also said, what is your favorite um, movie? Mm-hmm. And so I'll never forget that either. Right. And you just have, like, these great questions, coming up with the great questions to draw out what people value. I yeah. think it's really important. And so let's look at uh, number five is, do you request the help of others? So in other words, what that means is, you know, not only asking for help, but also the person that you're trying to build a relationship with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you might be struggling with that person a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but what? how cool is it? You know, I was thinking when I used to be a learning leader back in the day, and you maybe had that resistor in the class, so to speak, but mm-hmm. if you enlist them right. into helping you, all of a sudden you have this commonality and you start to build an appropriate, solid mm-hmm. relationship with them, right, mm-hmm. as well, too. How have you been able to do that as far as requesting the help of others especially those that you've struggled with a relationship with them because I'm in the middle of that right at the moment which is kind of funny wow (laughs) yes Uh, and I'm like you know what I'm gonna get through this person's gonna be my co-pilot and it's gonna be great make them your co-pilot yeah like all right 
Because I don't... Mm-hmm. I think hate is not something we have an option to have in our hearts. Like, people are people, and people love me for who I am, so I need to love other people for who they are. Yeah. And no one... Just like no one wants to be a resistor, like, no one wants to have a bad relationship with someone. No. Nobody wants that. No one, like, right. woke up, you know what? Today I'm going to ruin everybody's day. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. And if it is, like, please remove them from your life. Um... This is probably something I probably could do more of because mm-hmm. I have found myself to become more intrapersonal over the last few years and just mm-hmm. decide to do it myself. But having those people, which was mm-hmm. part of the message I was given the other day, is like have people around you that believe in you. Wow. That's so important. That's powerful. You can't I... be the person in the room that has the belief in everyone else. If no one yeah. in that room believes in you, you're what's going to happen there? You know, it's really powerful what you said that's a transformational um, relationship moment is if you have a team member that's really struggling, this is the moment in time where you can build that relationship Mm -hmm. just by being there for them and allowing them to go through that adversity. But then when they come out, Mm -hmm. they end up being the most loyal person on your team when they go through that struggle. And so that is an incredible way to build an appropriate um, relationship. So the next one, which is number six, is do you add value to people? And, you know, I believe that we're supposed to be treasure hunters Mm -hmm. and to look for the golden people. And every time I'm talking with somebody, maybe... I'm not real sure about them, mm-hmm. and but I'm looking for the treasure because yeah. God doesn't make junk. No. And so God, like, how did you make that person? Because if I tell myself or tell other people that somebody's junk, like, mm-hmm. I got a serious problem here, <laughs> right? I don't, first of all, I don't right. value myself. Right, yeah, right? that's an internal thing you got going on there. Yeah. Right now. You're saying that. Do but... you add value to people? Yeah. I think it goes back to, like, that I want people I want to treat people how I want to be treated. Yeah. So I want someone to know that I hear them, that mm-hmm. I believe what they're saying and that they matter. You know, like everyone matters. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what the skin tone is, the sex, the gender, the, whatever. Everyone. You matter. A, you matter. Yeah. Right. You're a person. So how can I add value? Uh, one of the, I watched this show and it's this guy, and all he ever asks is, how can I help? That was his always his question. Someone would come to him with, like, the world is colliding and everything's falling apart, and he's like, how can I help? And, like, in those situations, like, any time, you know, like, maybe I'm in the school, and I'm like, okay, things are a little wackadoodle here today. I just think, how can I help? And, like, I'll literally ask that. How can I help? Yeah. So I think... That's beautiful. Just, Instead of walking in thinking, what's going on around yeah, here? Yeah, like, oh, everything sucks. You just and, jump right in to right, add like, value. Hey, let's help. <laughs> I love that about you because you do sense it and you, you can see and you can feel that maybe things aren't quite right. The culture is mm-hmm. not working. And then mm-hmm. you just walk in and say, you know, what can I do? And, mm-hmm. and you know, I believe, you know, as, you, as we go through this process, what you said people matter is it's our job to help people feel their self-worth. Totally. And so when they are going through challenges, I think the number one is, do you love and accept yourself? So do they love and accept themselves, right, first? And so our job is to help them to love and accept themselves. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the problem goes away, right? right? (laughs) Because the solution pops in. So I love that. And it's helping people find that on their own. Yes. Maybe that's through my own therapy experiences. But, you know, you go to therapy and they're not like, this is how you fix it. Even though you go to a doctor and he gives you this prescription and this is how you fix it. Yeah. Like, 
if you go to like you know motivational I wish doctors were therapists or, yeah, that would be right? so much easier it's helping like in the process you're helping someone come to their own self-realization because our brains will never be the same brains right so mm. how can I help them believe that they have value yes and in that moment it can be on a haircut it can be in you know maybe their personal life it has fallen apart but like how can I help you see that what you're going through is okay and who you are is more than okay yeah there's more I love that number seven is okay I love this one do you follow the 101 percent principle let me let me tell you what that is is find you mentioned this earlier is find the one percent you agree on and give it a hundred percent of your effort finding mm-hmm. common ground that's one one of the best ways to build appropriate solid yeah. relationships because sometimes you may just they're, they're all over the place right now i don't feel like i have any common ground but you're gonna find something like you said yeah. golf there's something. <laughs> something right you will find something when yeah. talks about it and in the book be nicer else yes and just finding that one common ground that you, mm. you'll find something mm-hmm. with them. How do you do that? How do you dig deep to find that 1% that you can give it 100% attention? Mm. Good question. Yeah. Um, focus on that until you find it. Because yeah. like even you could focus on all the things that you don't agree on, right? And then, you know, we see that in our day-to-day lives. It's kind of the forward focus principle because you're starting to think all the backside things about them, and that's the only thing sometimes that I can think of. Mm -hmm. And I got to dig for the gold where that treasure hunter, dig for the gold, that 1%, and just keep asking and asking questions until you find it. Because there is that in all people, right? Mm -hmm. And I think... Because I love people and I want to get to know everyone, right? I can also find things that I'm like, we are so different. Yes. <laughs> like I right. believe the polar opposite of what you just said. Mm-hmm. But then, okay, I could focus on that or I could keep working <laughs> on getting to know you until we have a common ground, yes. right? But I think what's important, even if I can't find that common ground, there has to be a respect. That's a human. You're a human. Mm-hmm. There's a natural case. Uh, code of respect that needs to happen whether there's a reason they're in your life you know whether they're in your circle of friends and they're just a friend you run into and that's probably where I've learned that the most (laughs) you know I love my I have this circle of friends and then sometimes they've brought in friends and I'm like I don't like that person at all right and I'm like but you're friends with someone who's my friend so there's got to be something something on. and I've had some times where I'm like man I've really blown it I've really been a terrible friend or I've been a terrible girlfriend to this person or I've been a terrible like I just have totally blown it right like even in cosmetology school I got suspended because I like totally blew it mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you know wanted to get in a fist fight with a girl it's fine uh, you know but yeah. working through that and and knowing like okay if they're if I don't like this person it's me like remember how uh Katrina got Mercier? issues with yeah, someone like, issues it's you so <laughs> Work till you find that, but have respect until it's there. Yeah. Right? And if you can have respect for each other, it will come, right? Build mm-hmm. it and it will come, right? But if you have that respect for that person, at some point you're going to have a commonality. Yeah, I agree. And and I believe that people know when you don't like them. Mm-hmm. And so don't pretend like yeah. you like them. And actually you have to genuinely like them by finding that 1% right. of gold inside of them. And because yeah. otherwise you can't speak into their life. You I can't like coach that's them. that's a full package for... All of that. I do too. Is to work on, uh, for all of relationships. Is mm-hmm. to 
you know, love them till you like them. Yeah. Cause I love that. I love everybody. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't necessarily like all the people always. Yeah. Love <laughs> them until I'm gonna you like them. You, which means I'm going to give you a, a respect. I'm going to give you, I'm going to honor who you are. Yeah. God made you. <laughs> yeah. So yes. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So let's look at uh, number eight. Do you love people more than your opinions, meaning give up <laughs> wanting to be right. Oh my gosh. So that has been like life's biggest stretch for me in the last three mm. years, but it's become almost like a mantra. And I, Rachel Hollis speaks on that so much, mm. um, about just like it, you have to love people. Like you don't have to be right, but you can be nice. Right. So like, yeah. I'll never be like the most talented person in a room. I'll never be like the prettiest person in the room. I'll never be any of those like attributes, but I can be the nicest person in the room. I can be the person who makes you feel good. I can be that person in the room that like you want to have a connection with because I want you to feel like I genuinely love you. Right. I genuinely respect you. Um, we can be polar opposite humans. You can believe totally different political views. You can have totally different spiritual views, but as people interacting with people I'm gonna let's have just mutual respect right yeah so I which is something I I don't want to say is getting lost but something that sometimes I see people fall into victim mode because they focus Mm -hmm. so much on the that other person's shortcomings and it's Mm -hmm. like what does that do for you like resonating that in your head did nothing for your current reality Mm -hmm. it didn't bring your relationship any better it didn't bring the experience any better so how can we make things better just being cool with each other, you know? Yeah. Honoring who that person is, even mm-hmm. if it's not who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. You learned from knowing who you don't want to be more about who you do want to be. So thank you so Congratulations. much for entering my life. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Yes. No, I love it. It's powerful, Sarah. Um, number nine, you, you, you talked about this. Do you follow the golden rule? <laughs> do you treat people the way oh. that you want to be treated? I can't even see was these. There, so yeah, I was feel there like... a moment like in time that you felt, okay, this clicked. I need to treat people the way that I want to be treated. When was that transformational moment for you? Because I see that you All do the follow time. the golden rule. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. had that, but I've also every relationship is different, you know? So, like, I've had that with my personal relationships multiple times. I've had that with my professional relationships multiple times. And I think at the end of the day, like, when you really can self-reflect, when you're going through maybe a time of, of, you know, thunderstorm in your life, it's teaching you something. It brought you there for something. And I think the biggest thing I've ever learned is, like, man, the way this feels is how I never want to make someone else feel. And maybe I have in the past. And thank you for letting me realize that. So I can Mm -hmm. be better tomorrow. Be better in the current moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and I think think that also comes down to, like, how I was raised. Like, we weren't allowed to be (laughs) anything else but respectful to other people. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, no, that's powerful. And I think one of the lessons that when Claymont gave many years ago that has stuck with me and it will for the rest of my life is even just saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Can mm-hmm. we start over? Right. You know, you would want someone to do that with you. And like when apologize. someone goes, I apologize. I'm like, what does that mean? Does that mean like, <laughs> like did you just read that What'd in a text do? on the way yeah. over here? You know, it's like, can you be authentic? I apologize you know? for what? 
Yeah. What are you apologizing for? Yeah. <laughs> Can like, you tell me? Yeah. Or like, we're so quick to say, I'm sorry. Like today in training, I was like, if one more person says, I'm sorry, we're going to start giving a quarter every time we say, yes. I'm sorry. Which Rachel Hollis has her book, you know, Girl Stop mm-hmm. Apologizing. Yes. Which is amazing too. So it's just about being like, I love when people are like, I want, oh, don't fluff me. Don't, you know, be, just tell it to me real. All people are saying with that is be authentic. Yeah. So I'm really every day just trying to be that authentic person. Some days that authentic person isn't my most favorite person. But mm-hmm. you know what? I was me today. And all I can do is be a better me in the next day. You yeah. Know? Like, I love that. Yeah. I, I go back to to be clear is kind mm-hmm. and to be unclear is, is unkind. unkind. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's part of the golden rule too. So totally. are you ready for number 10? So yeah. number one is do you love and accept yourself? Uh, number two is do you put energy into being likable? Number three is do you remember people's names? Four, do you focus on people's interests? Five, do you request the help of others? Six, do you add value to people? Seven, do you follow the 101% principle? Number eight, do you love people more than your opinions? Nine, do you follow the golden rule? Here's number 10. Do you actively try to improve your relationship skills? Meaning, do you seek resources to invest in yourself? So have you done that? What does that mean? So for me, it's books, <laughs> okay. podcasts. I love masterminds. We're right. doing Dare to Lead with Brene Brown. Highly, highly yeah. recommend that. Um, everyone communicates, few connect with mm-hmm. John C. Maxwell. Yeah. And so just you know how to win friends and influence people is a really great book mm-hmm. as well too. So any yeah, resources? Yeah, I do. My resources is makes me have to force myself to spend time with myself mm. because I can get really lost. And for me, those resources are more of an intrapersonal experience. So for me, if I'm reading, I no one can be around me. <laughs> yes. Like I need to be in my own zone, doing mm-hmm. my own thing. You yeah. have to be growing yeah. or like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, the bottom line is one is too small a number to achieve greatness. And you right. need people to get to mm-hmm. where you want to go, right. no matter what. So you cannot miss level two of building relationships right right? so you got to gain permission first and then productivity will come so people before profit always i know we're coming to the end here what last piece of advice do you want to give today and i know we're going to definitely have to have you back because we have so many things to unfold and unlock in you of different leadership principles as well too leave the room better than you found it yeah yeah that's the the quote that is literally in the back of my phone for i don't know forever Leave people better than you found them, Mm. right? Be someone who cares. Leave the room better than you found it. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for being on this podcast. I love you very much. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.